Do you like comics? We're here to talk comics. This is the Superhuman Registration Podcast. Avatar Legends role-playing game, and I caught the tabletop role-playing game bug big time. I currently have 21 tabs open on my browser. <laughs> One of them is just the, the tab that I use to like look up news or uh, see what new magic cards have been spoiled or whatever. Mm-hmm. The other 20 tabs are from watching YouTube videos, looking for recommendations for tabletop role-playing games... And being, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to pull it up on my phone and then I'm going to look at it later when I have more time to actually sit down and read. I've been doing that ever since we played and I haven't actually read any of them yet. (laughs) Ever since we had that session, I've now that like a lot of stuff has clicked from actually playing the game, I'm kind of going through the book again and like so much stuff is like clicking now. I don't you know. have more context. Yeah, like a lot of it didn't yeah. click when I was watching like other like people's actual plays of of the game, and even like going through the rules and you know watching people discuss it and be like, "How can you do this?" or "How does this actually work?" and like a lot of it didn't really stick. But now that like we've actually tried it, I'm like, "Oh, that makes more sense." Oh, uh, so like it's also kind of started getting those creative juices going again and I'm kind of thinking up of of like encounters and like story threads and stuff like that. And I'm excited. Like it's genuinely exciting and I think for me part of it what is making it more exciting is the fact that I'm like I'm the one crafting the story. Like I'm not going off of a off of like a pre-made module or anything like that. You don't think it's going to be too much? No, and I th- I think part of it is because I've been trying to figure out how to get back into writing for so many years and I did not think I did not think this was going to be the thing that got me back into writing of some sort. <laughs> like like story crafting and whatnot. Have you heard of the solo tabletop RPG? Uh, video games? <laughs> yeah, I mean you think, but no. So I, there is a whole genre of role-playing game that is specifically a journaling experience. And so it seems to me like these would... I haven't actually tried them yet, but I'm really curious. They seem like they're just basically glorified creative writing prompts. Mm-hmm. Like Thousand Year Vampire is the one that I keep coming across that everybody's like, oh, this one is really good. Um, and it's is basically just you write a journal Mm -hmm. about being a vampire. Interesting. The closest I've gotten to any sort of like prompts like that has been the writing prompts subreddit, but then I read other people's stuff and then I get lazy. (laughs) I'm glad it's not just me where I see something. I'm like, oh, that's a really cool take or that's dumb. Why did you bother even saying it? You know, and then, yeah, never... Yeah, but, uh, yeah, send me some of those. I'm kind of curious to look into those. Um, but anyway, speaking of pretending to be someone that we're not, uh, welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast, where we are following up on our read-through of Superior Spider-Man. 
yeah, we decided it was time to revisit some of these stories that we have been trying to uh, get through for a while. And Superior Spider-Man it came up, and also the the slot all red Silver Surfer. Uh, really excited to get into these discussions. Uh, but f- before we do, uh, John, Aldo, how y'all doing today? Bonsoir, mes amis. We are speaking uh, space French for this uh, whole episode. <laughs> I'm glad you pulled that out. The space French thing was so funny. It was so good. Allons-y, André Caville. Oh, oh, oh. je suis en la, la maison. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, where do we want to start tonight? I am a fan of both of these stories, so it is no never mind to me. We could start with Superior Spider-Man, since I think we'll have... Okay, let's go ahead and start with Superior Spider-Man. Wow, you just cannot stop steamrolling me today. (laughs) No, I cannot. (laughs) I ate chocolate. I'm feeling good. (laughs) So we read Superior Spider-Man issues 11 through 15. I also read 16. Did we all read issue 16 as well? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we should have included 16 in the original. Cool. Yeah, so we read 11 through 16, and this is written by Dan Slot, hence our Slaughterific episode. And we have writing support from Christos and Gage. Pencils in the first three issues of this, or is it four issues? Uh, my math is terrible. Yeah, the first four issues of this... Uh, the art is, or pencils are by Giuseppe Kamonkali. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that last name, but I've always said Kamonkali. Inks by John Dell, Terry Pallet, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. And then on the remaining two issues, again, writing by Dan Slott, pencils by the glorious Umberto Ramos, inks by Victor Olazaba. Colors by Edgar Delgado and letters again by Chris Eliopoulos. And so what happens is we have two kind of mini arcs like within this. And a lot of the stuff going on in this particular part of the run is Otto Octavius really kind of settling into the role of being quote unquote the superior Spider-Man and kind of figuring out how to juggle all the Peter Parker-isms, school, work, relationships, all of that stuff. Keeping, yeah, keeping all of the relationships or the identity stuff, you know, separate, which is something that Otto never really did, right? It was, they were one of the same publicly known. And so it's a lot about him overcoming that in a sense, because that was set up at the, at the end of the last trade is him really struggling with that and, kind of improving on it so we get the first story which is that is it alistair Smythe? yes alistair Smythe, the spider slayer is set to be executed by or due to um his crimes right like it's not like nobody's gonna go kill him specifically and because he was the person who killed jonah's wife jonah is very set on Make watching this through the end and making sure that Smythe is is killed. Quick question: Is it Smythe because of the Y and the E, or is it Smith because I'm dumb and English is dumb? 
sometimes people who have it with a Y, it's Smith, but it, they spell it Smythe. I, I always read it as Smythe because why else, you know, have it spelled that way for a comic? Okay, cool. I'm going to stick with Smythe. <laughs> I think they pronounced it Smythe in the uh, Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s because he was actually a recurring character. Canon. Yeah, you go. know what? That, good enough for me. I'm sticking with that. So Smythe it is. Let's not get into the pronunciation from media of Rachel Ghoul, though. Oh, oh yeah. No, even Raj. <laughs> Anyways. I like the way Bizarro says it. Bizarro calls him Racer Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so Spice is said to be executed uh, for his sentence for, you know, crimes in prison, real legal technical stuff. Jonah's real set on watching this through to the end, and he asks Spider-Man... Otto Octavia is posing as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man to oversee it and make sure that he does not escape. And lo and behold, Smythe has a plan. He has like these tiny little robots similar to Otto Octavius's tiny little spider bots. And he has like just several plans, like a plan A through F. And some of these include breaking out the Vulture, the Scorpion, and Boomerang, and giving them, like, upgraded suits, and even for some of them, like, bringing back their vision. And trying to, as a last kind of resort, should he, you know, fail to live, to swap brains with Peter Parker, a la Otto Octavius, and Otto kind of being ready for all this, you know, thwarts him at every end, and even kills him. Stabs him through the heart with, like, his own, uh, like, tail, spear, stinger thing. And using the conversation that Jonah and Spider-Man had was with Jonah telling Spider-Man to make sure to kill him if he should escape, right? Like, really, really not good looks for a mayor of New York City, though, you know, in 20. 20 something uh eh. <laughs> seems yeah, like maybe not the worst thing like, seem worse. <laughs> yeah it seems like jonah's yeah. maybe worrying about nothing in today's context <laughs> i hate that this was yeah. written back in like what 2014 2013 15 i think by the time this series yeah this series started in 14 but i think these issues were all from 2015 either way yeah the before right. times yeah so <laughs> So he uses that to blackmail Jonah into giving him the raft. And so he uses that as a base of operations. And using his resources from that, he gets like a bunch of cronies that are all above board. You know, everybody's actually legitimately hired and being paid by the government and getting presumably W-2s on some sort of benefit package. And also building giant robots. So he uses these robots and these lackeys to destroy the Shadowland castle that is in hell's kitchen which is um presuming some sort of remnant from the shadowland daredevil run because kingpin is in there now so kingpin realizes that this isn't the same spider-man and he's gonna kill so he has he has a double that's been engineered to have his dna and he's just been keeping him locked up feeding him and watching television and kills him to escape and get off his trail He's been using uh, Ben uh, Ulrich. He's been using Ben Ulrich as the Hobgoblin and the Hobgoblin. And as the Hobgoblin, 
he's been like renting or leasing the hobgoblin suit from somebody else. I think it was the Tinker. And he gets away from the spider bots. He kind of realizes that something is a little weird. He doesn't get targeted or attacked. They kind of just look at him and they're just like, nope, nothing going on here. To which we start to see that the Green Goblin, which we got some hints of this in that last trade, his plan, he's hacked the spider bots and he has put in like a fail safe so that they don't track or do anything with the goblins. So a lot of goblin shenanigans are going on and by the end of this, Otto Octavius is starting to figure out that there's something going on specifically goblin related. But in that second story, it's him uh, fighting that uh, Ben Ulrich as the Hobgoblin and kind of as himself. He gets rid of the suit or he loses the suit in a battle and kind of decides to try and hide among civilians. And he goes back to the, it's not the Daily Planet, it's but it's Daily. Daily the Daily Bugle. Bugle. <laughs> and so he goes to the Daily Bugle <laughs> where Otto Octavius as Spider-Man puts out a message to the citizens of New York to help him look for Ben Ulrich, and they find out. And so a lot of incriminating stuff comes up, and he captures him, turns him into the police right as he's getting a phone call from the Avengers that, like, his... All the stuff that he's doing is a little... Uh, not not super good, Spider-Man. That's not what you normally do. And so Ben escapes and he's taken to Norman Osborn who is now calling himself the Goblin King and Ben's Ben Ulrich's uh, girlfriend at the time is fired from her job because she was writing Goblin stories alongside Ben and not a good look for the Daily Bugle who apparently now has a the, this is becoming a sort of pattern for them to the public eye that they apparently employ a lot of villains and masked heroes and stuff so, not great. And that's kind of it. I didn't go over a lot of the smaller details, like Captain Watnabi dressing up or kind of donning the costume again as Wraith, some of the stuff with Anna Maria and the college, and there's like a lot of other little things going on, which, you know, granted, we're in the middle of a giant arc, so there's like a lot of small threads going on, and a lot of them don't always get a lot of attention but there's a lot of stuff kind of going on through this book thoughts uh phil yurik the nephew of ben yurik is the i was gonna goblin. Ask, yeah i kept mixing up their names when i was reading it i was like they wouldn't do that to ben yurik because like oh. they kept saying yurik 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 and then they differentiated it at the end when ben's you know at the bugle and saying, like, hey, he's a good kid. I don't know what's going on. Oh, no. Oh, I mixed it up. Okay, my bad. That's my fault. Here, I'll just, I'll give you an audio you can drop in every time you say Ben. Phil. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Phil. 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 You have not, to play all of those. I'm One not, day you get six Phil's. <laughs> I'm not making promises, but I assure I'm tempted. <laughs> I, I think, well, yes, like... There's a lot of plates to keep spinning. Um, the story moved well and gave you enough with kind of the things that are going on in the background. You know, we see Anna Maria, we see Carly Cooper kind of sniffing around and figuring out something is up with Peter Parker. Um, we get, um, you know, he's, he's working towards his degree still, his doctorate, um, you know, really kind of 
turning the dial up to 11, like, huh, Peter Parker's life is holding him back. I need to, I need to, you know, fix that. I need to become just all about being Spider-Man. And so ends up making a Spider Island 2 at the raft. Thanks to, you know, blackmail. Yeah. Also, I guess it should be noted in case you're not listening to this episode back to back at this point in the story, the spider or the Peter Parker conscience is essentially gone. Like it's, we've seen it for the last time as far as we know at this point. Yeah. So it is all auto all up in there. Yeah. Which, you know, fun. Yeah. I, I, I glanced at one of the fan letters at the back of one of the issues and they're like, why do you guys at Marvel hate Peter Parker? And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I think there were people who were mad about this at the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, how would you do this to Peter Parker? And it's like, you've, You've read a comic before, right? Like, do you think that they're really going to take out their flagship character? Like, you know, I, I think people worry too much and just need to hang on and, you know, wait for the inevitable, but, but actually, the whole time it was, you know, however they get things back to uh, uh, some kind of status quo. To be fair, I do think Joe Quesada actually, he wasn't an editor at this time, or at least not on the, the Spider-Man books. To be fair, I think he actually did hate Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have evidence on our list of that, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> think the numbers speak for themselves? Oy, yeah. I think as far as, like, Superior Spider-Man goes, this chunk wasn't quite as good as some of the other stuff that we've read. Not to say that there was, like, a significant drop in quality. It's just, like... This felt less like it was really moving things forward Mm -hmm. and more just like, okay, this is the status quo. These are the status quo stories for this Spider-Man. The Goblin stuff is is developing, certainly, but I'm also like, it feels weird. The Goblin stuff is not as gripping as I think they want it to be. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is a lot of the part where... This is a little bit of the downtime, right? Like this is we're seeing more of the buildup of what's been happening, kind of seeing some stuff going through to its like conclusion and setting up stuff to escalate later. I think some of the goblin stuff does get a little better towards the um, I mean we're in the second we're entering the second half at this point. So some of the right. stuff like ramps up and we get some really great moments later. Uh, not to give any spoilers away, but like one of my favorite comic book panels where just the goblin, he's like, you're back. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the one of my favorite all-time greats. But yeah, this is, this is a little bit of, of that lull. This is kind of just, oh, we're not really getting anything major. We're getting some stuff set up. We're getting some stuff, you know, happening, but nothing, for lack of a better word, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, that um, I like the parts of this that change the dynamic between Jameson. Well, it's, it's not even that they change it. It's they. It's like a, a power reversal, you know, a role, yeah. not a role reversal. Like, um, he has dirt on Jameson, so mm-hmm. he can't really be messed with in the same way, at least not in the, the books that we've read so far, you know. Yeah. His whole life he's been a menace and the, the bugle's given him crap, that kind of thing. And now he kind of can pull the strings on Jameson and get what he wants. Mm-hmm. 
I think so. Which is a creepy Big Brothers type state in in Manhattan. So, yeah, that's the other thing I was going to say is like, I think that part, whether it's kind of building up to it or it's coming down from it, but just kind of him creating that kind of like omniscient stuff, like him really dipping into the villain pool, right? Like he has cameras everywhere. He has henchmen. He has a lair. I don't know what other thing you would call the raft at that point, but it's a lair essentially for him. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so like also the brutality of it, right? Like he killed Smythe and was ready to do so from the beginning. And it's just one of those things where like that, I think that for me is the most interesting part of superior Spider-Man is him is really watching Otto try to be a hero, but, very much in the way a villain thinks a hero should operate. And to be frank, the way a lot of people think the hero should operate. <laughs> like, yeah. if if this was a story about, like, Two-Face taking over Batman's brain, mm-hmm. he would kill the Joker, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or he would try to. Day one, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very much the 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 embodiment of that sort of mentality. Why doesn't the hero just kill the villain so that the villain is gone mm-hmm. oh man the, so it's really interesting to read this and i think we dealt with this a little bit the last time as well because if i remember correctly that that mass murdering villain with the metal plate in his head massacre was that his name i think so i think so that sounds that sounds right yeah um massacre and the death of jameson's wife those are both parts of one of my favorite Spider-Man stories that I ever read, which was uh, Nobody Dies. Isn't that what it's called, Aldo? You would know this. Oh, I don't remember the name. <laughs> yeah, but I know like, that he says that, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't remember yeah, that yeah. particular. Very, very early in mm-hmm. this, I think it's actually part of Dan Slott's run, right? I, th- I believe it's part uh, of the big time stuff, isn't it? I think I think so. Uh, or it's right. Everything is confusing. It. Yeah, a lot of it also blurs together. No offense to the writers. There's just so much, <laughs> so much. But um, yeah. Anyway, that's one of my favorite Spider-Man stories because it starts with the whole, you know, Spider-Man failed someone he loves or someone he cares for, and they died, and he feels guilty for it, and he starts to mope, and he has this weird sort of like existential dream where he imagines the faces of all the people he's failed, all the people he's let down, all the people who have died under his watch. And at the end of it, instead of doing the thing that you're kind of trained to expect, where he's just like, I can't do this anymore, I'm giving up being Spider-Man, he puts on the suit and he says, okay, from here on out, nobody dies. Mm -hmm. And it's very good. Yeah. And then, you know, contrast, we have him here going, everybody dies. (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah you know he but the thing is you know he's very much trying to be a hero so like even though he's absolutely willing to kill villains he puts in a lot of effort to protect civilians right which is again kind of like that interest he does it in a very cold way Mm -hmm. like when they're on the raft he puts the other people in that shield bubble right to protect them from doing that but it's also to get them out of the way like he doesn't he just doesn't want to deal with with civilians and same for when he goes to the shadowland castle 
right? Like he creates the same kind of shields around the apartment buildings, but also rolls in with a private army and a giant robot. So like very kind of cold. I think, you know, I think an interesting dichotomy of like being a hero. Right. And that's the thing that's really interesting Mm -hmm. is you've got the death of Jameson's wife and how Spider-Man, Peter Parker deals with it. And then you've got the, the execution of Jameson's wife's murderer and how Ock, uh, uh, Otto Octavius handles it. And then you've got, you know, Massacre, who popped up in the previous arc here and how Otto Octavius dealt with that and how, like, it, it's just those parallels, I think, are really good. They're really interesting, but they require so much investment for you to really get it. Yeah. <sighs> Which, you know, again, one of the upsides and downsides of a 60-plus year, several it, several ongoing series uh, character story. Yep. Do you think that's why there's so many different takes on Spider-Man? and ha- Like, we have different versions of the characters where, man, we've been doing Spider-Man so long, we can't really get to we can't stray too far from the character but what if we had a clone but what if it was a girl but what if what you know it was in mm-hmm. this time period you know do you think that's i know that that happens a lot like we get multiple versions but i don't know have there been more versions of other characters like there have been of spider-man Not at least really. on the marvel the, side the only two i can think of is obviously the spider-verse that you're referring to and the Batman Dark Universe r- reflections, whatever from like. Oh gosh! <laughs> but not a lot of characters get their own multiverse. Yeah, yeah. More than you'd think. That was the defining characteristic of Great of uh, Captain Britain for a while. Oh, fair. None of popular characters don't tend to get their own multiverse, except for Spider-Man and Batman mm-hmm. and Superman. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. President Superman. Almost forgot about President Superman. Oh, yeah. The alternate universe version of Superman written by Grant Morrison, who is just Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you got to say it like that? (laughs) (laughs) It very is the very truth. So I know we typically talk really highly of uh, Ramos and Delgado's art, which, you know, for very good reason, I think. Very good artist. I love his stuff. Mm-hmm. I so the the big time run with slot was the one that introduced me to Giuseppe as a Spider-Man artist. And while he doesn't draw him nearly as like slim and like I don't know, I don't know what the right word would be, but wiry, wiry. Yes, he doesn't draw him like quite as wiry. Man, I love I love Giuseppe's art or Common Collie. Still not sure. But one of my favorite artists, honestly, for Spider-Man. Because I haven't actually seen him do other characters. Not saying that he doesn't. I just haven't seen it. But do you guys have any thoughts on Kamonkale? Or the art in general? I was mostly like, yay, it's more Umberto Ramos art. But um, sometimes <laughs> when the, the artist changes in a trade... Mm-hmm. It's very jarring. Um, this I was, you know, not distracted at all with the changes. You know, I, I could tell. Okay, it's a new artist this time, but there wasn't um, 
a dip in quality, you know, it was all still good, and I enjoyed it. Um, this, I mean, you're going to put your best on, on Amazing Spider-Man, and I think they, they always have. Um, at least, I don't know, in the Dan Slot run, like, there's not like a, oh, yeah, you got to get through these issues before we get back to, you know, whatever, whoever's not filling in, like, the real the real team. It's It's so great. Yeah, and, you know, if you're going to test somebody else. If you're gonna test somebody out, you don't put them on Spider Man. You put, you yeah. have them audition in Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> Here, go draw the Inhumans for a bit. We'll call you. Yeah, yeah. go 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 test your bustle out. <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah, he's genuinely one of my favorites. I like, I don't know, I like the way he draws the costume. I think it's like kind of, it feels a lot like the the MCU costume. In the sense that it doesn't feel like as skin tight, it to me it feels like there's like a layer in between. The there's costume. some bulk to it, yeah. Some like density of fabric. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. But that's uh, I don't know, that's all I got for that. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. trying to uh, find the issue that like stood out to me in this, and of course now I'm like, oh, I'm going through. There's, you know, when you um, try to cut, try to search for Spider-Man, and you forget Superior before when you're t- typing in your search terms. There are a lot of Spider-Man books, um, decades what? worth, in fact. You don't say. You know, kind of like how when we briefly discussed doing the Clone Saga, and then we realized that there had been like fourteen <laughs> Spider-Man series in There's that so one So many. Month. <laughs> It's such a mess. Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. No way. They're running out of adjectives to use. <laughs> <laughs> They've got to be, right? At some point, we're going to get spindly Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like... I'm trying to find... Yeah, his like the panel to the death when he's with... Uh, um, the Spider-Slayer is really good from Giuseppe. Can't pronounce his last name. Come on, Coley. Um, is this the first time we get the, no, cause yeah, I guess he hasn't like, we get a new suit later. I mean, this is, this is a slightly different look, you know, and this, we get a little darker than, you know, other Spider-Man suits and everything. But, um, I don't know if this is the first time where we get the kind of segmented eyepieces. Probably not, but in this, in like tonight, this is where it like started to really jump out to me. Um, I don't know. That's a, a nice detail, you know, and h- hard to do, like, add your own spin to, like, the classic costume, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I'm drawing Spider-Man, and, and, you know, there's a style guide, I'm sure, you know, like, if if DC has rules about Superman's little hair twist, little curl, you know there's going to be some rules about, like, Spider-Man, you know, um, Peter Parker, whatever, but, yeah. You gotta draw a spider on his chest. <laughs> That's my that's my impression of the ghost of Stanley. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, true believer, put that spider on there, or I'll kill you. <laughs> no, the dark, dark side of Stan. I'm gonna tickle your toes when you're in the bathroom. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> when I pee on your penny loafers. <laughs> I can't tell if uh, I want to be haunted by Stanley or not. (laughs) 
I think he, I think he'd be too over enthusiastic. I'd be like, Stan, Stan, it's nine in the morning. I, I like come back, come back at like two, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Giuseppe has worked on the on well one of the ongoing Darth Vader series. Well, I know what we're reading next. <laughs> we might have, we might have already had him in the list, and I just don't know. Anyways, interesting. Yeah, good series is still good. Yeah, it solid. is still a good series. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I am, um, I am excited to see. I'm excited to see how Stephen reacts to the escalating goblin situation. I'm curious how that's going to land for you. Me too. <laughs> um, what do you think? Should we uh, move on? Yeah, we should surf on out of here. To the stars. To the stars. So it's interesting. We we read you know, two different segments of two different long runs of comics. And I think both of them can be neatly divided into a really interesting one and one that is a little bit less interesting. Or at least that's my perspective. As Again, speaking as someone who really liked the Smythe stuff in Superior and not so much the Hobgoblin stuff, was uh, the, the Shadowland fallout, all of that was less interesting to me. I feel the same way about the Silver Surfer, except I'm more confident that I'll get some... Uh, consensus on that. So the chunk of the slot all red Silver Surfer run that we read this week, uh, to give the full name to the creative team, we are talking about uh, Dan Slot and Mike Allred on uh, Silver Surfer. I want to say it was 2015. Um, I think this one... I think this one started in 2013 and we read 2014. Now I'm getting my my two... Um, I think I'm getting them mixed up because Superior Spider-Man was 2013. Yeah, so 2014 is when this one started. And I think if you we look at the publishing date for like number 13, it says 2015. Yeah, so 2014 was when the series started. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Dan Slott, Mike Allred, Laura Allred on colors, uh, really just gorgeously illustrated book. We last left Surfer and Dawn. Uh, Silver Surfer and, and Dawn Greenwood had found this planet that was populated entirely by the single survivor from many different worlds that Galactus had devoured. Galactus showed up to devour this world. Surfer fought him off. This was the moment when Don Greenwood learned that the Silver Surfer had formerly been the Herald of Galactus and had done kind of all of these horrible things and hasn't quite sure how to deal with it. So as penance for this, the Surfer has agreed to take these survivors to a new home world where they will be safe from Galactus. And then he's going to take Don home because Don can't deal with, with the Surfer anymore. So they take this trip, they get into some weird sort of time-loopy, time-travel-y shenanigans. They eventually find a planet that is populated. It's like the perfect planet that almost like exudes a pheromone or something that makes everybody kind of too pieced out, too uh, stoned basically to, to want to do anything else. It's very soothing, but there's a lot of manipulation going on with it. Greenwood and, and Surfer kind of investigate and they realize, oh, hey, what's happening here is there's like this entity on the planet that is 
lonely, wants companionship, and it's creating all of these things not out of any malicious intent, but it just wants people to stay there. So they get that resolved, the people who want to leave are allowed to leave, and that kind of resolves this whole story arc uh, about the surfer and his guilt. Don and, and Surfer kind of learn to forgive each other and trust each other again. And Surfer agrees to take Don home, but on the way home, they kind of go and they visit all of these other places that they had visited on their journey thus far. And then Secret Wars happened, and the entire the entirety of existence disappears. Surfer and Don manage to escape the destruction of all reality through, again, weird sort of time travel shenanigans that aren't fully explored yet. And they wind up meeting, uh, oh my gosh, I cannot remember this character's name, uh, Glorian. Yeah. And the shaper of the universe. These really obscure cosmic characters that I only know because they were in one of Trading the cards. DC Marvel crossovers and we, that we had a trade paperback of. That Those are probably worth a couple hundred dollars now. We do not have them anymore. But yeah, uh, just these all-powerful, reality-shaping characters. Glorian is manipulating the Surfer and uh, Dawn into recreating the universe kind of in their own image, and he's going to assume power over all of it. They see through his machinations, and they kind of escape from it. They wind up choosing the new reality that exists after Secret Wars resolves, and fly off to have new adventures among new stars. And that ends the first series of Silver Surfer by Slot and Allred. There is a second series that picks up immediately after Secret Wars, because most books in the Marvel line restarted with a new issue one after Secret Wars. It continues, I think, the same story, but I've never read past this point. This is as far as I ever got. Uh, I considered Secret Wars to be a good jumping-off point for a lot of books that I really enjoyed. Turns out it also... You know, comics continued to be good after Secret Wars, so I'm excited to get to the rest of this. But what did we think about this chunk today? I still loved it. Yeah, um, visually, some of my favorite work I've seen in the series so far. And that's saying something, because this has always been, a, I, I would say, a visually stunning book. I really like Mike and Laura Allred's work. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that, for me, was an immediate, like, oh, we are... Doing something weird was, I think, that first issue of this trade, essentially, where he's, well, the surfer is trying to find, like, that new planet, right? And he's doing that thing where he's trying to warp time and space to help them get away from this force that keeps attacking them. But, like, it's kind of done, I guess, maybe like a Mobius circle type thing through the pages, so we're only getting panels like on the top half, and then when he does the time space warping stuff, it shifts to the bottom half, and in between some of those like space shifts, we start to get hints at like of some people kind of sort of being aware of the time loop, but we get oh what's her name? The future, the all the possibilities that could be the never queen. The never queen. The never queen. We see her trying to, like, intervene, kind of give some messages to somebody or, like, speak to the surfer kind of unsuccessfully. And so, like, that stuff was, like, really cool. Like, I really liked that issue number, like, 11. Same. I I thought it was interesting doing something different, you know, as we shift timelines, as we kind of get to see, um, you know, um, Dawn's point of view. 
Why did I just blank on on the girl in the book? <laughs> you got it. I I was like questioning questioning myself. Yeah, as you know, we see her point of view. You know, it'll shift down or whatever. This this is one where like you know, getting the physical copy might be cool, but it also I think would be fun to read more of like a, as an Infinity comic. Um, just really just interesting. Just and get sideways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think in this one. Um, I love the all red art, but I think this one we get better and more facial expressions for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that that's something that um, was like a nitpick last time, you know, really looking for something like, well, what can we talk about that's not like 110% in this book, you know? Um, but, you know, really fun idea. And, you know, you you see this loop a few times and then you start to be like, okay, this is where something has got to change. This is where something has to happen that's different and really sucks you in, you know, and speaks to, like, the, the bigger universe at large. You know, like, we get mm-hmm. um, the Never Queen, you know. I, I And, you know, the scale. I like that the scale of the surfer's powers are, are vast, but really it's it's about reconciling his relationship with one person. Right. And, well, and and six billion others, yeah. but really, it's about you know. <laughs> I, I do love that the limit to the silver server's power isn't like anything mechanical. It's his morality, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when he gets to that point where, like, yeah, I could you know recreate all these things, but you know, like, I don't want to be a god. And the, he's like, well, you could program though to not think of you as a god. He's like, yeah, but then that would make me a god. <laughs> <laughs> so like there's some interesting conflicts there right and kind of him keeping his promises and other stuff like undoing the destruction of some planets which is you know what is what causes you know some of the problems as he's helping recreate the universe right like that was that's really interesting but i, I love the fact that like he, the limits that he has are self-imposed and they're based on like his morality and what he's trying to like atone for not just like by acts of service, but also by like personal limits. Yeah, which I'll tell you as someone who, you know, is religious for better and for worse in some ways, like that is an aspect of the character that really speaks to me because much of the constraints of religion are self-imposed, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't have any objective evidence of the existence of hell. And so... If we are trying to be good, like it's our own volition that kind of moves us in that direction to refrain from certain activities or, or things like that. You have all of this ability, but you kind of rein it in. Um, that can feel very restrictive. Um, but if practiced healthily, uh, then I think there is a lot of good to be drawn from a story like the silver surfer where he has all of this potential, but he channels it towards things that are going to be a benefit for other people. And to some extent, there's even a little bit of like original sin with him. He's like, he was under the thrall of Galactus and did all of this stuff. And now he's trying to atone for all of that. Um, Mm. I don't know. I am a sucker for stories of folks who feel compelled to, right the wrongs that they will never be able to fully correct, but that doesn't mean they can give up. 
Yeah. I, I love it. And that's what I feel like we get with the Silver Surfer. It's it's really interesting. This also scratches for me like a certain itch that I have for Superman type characters. Where you have characters yeah. with, you know, these amazing, you know, boundless powers. And all they want to do is help. Right? Different motivations. Superman obviously does it just kind of out of the goodness of his heart right and the surfer is doing it a little bit to like atone you know guilt but the fact that they don't really consider like any task too small and they do what they can because they must like that's you know it's kind of like that same spider-man itch uh you know when you get like that really good spider-man story it's yeah it's it's just one of those things like i love that aspect and it's not that I want every hero to be like that, but no. man, am I tired yeah. of Injustice Superman everywhere. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, really wish I could talk my wife into getting Max so I could watch more of uh, My Pal Superman or whatever oh, that show is called. Oh, My Adventures for Superman? Yeah. My, that, that uh, Superman show that's <laughs> so, so good. <laughs> so I... You know, half my family lives in another state, and then so there's you know half in Utah, half in Florida, and so we'll text. You know, I don't know if you guys are stuck on a never-ending family group chat or whatever, but um, <laughs> for my in-laws, I think yes, we've had. Well, we are we are your in-laws. We're <laughs> like, and it and sometimes it does become like we all try to out funny each other, so that's nice. And I don't I don't help things by, you know, uh, trying. Oh, I got a joke for everybody, but. We'll send, you know, funny stuff that our kids say. And my nephew was watching, you know, My Pal Superman or whatever the new show is. And Lois Lane called Clark Kent Smallville. And he just pipes up, Smallville? Her need to call him Bigville. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you got it, buddy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Gotta say, I love that we all are talking about how great this show is. None of us can remember what it's called. I can remember. I've said it twice. It's my adventures with Superman. I don't believe you. <laughs> I think you're making my that adventures up. with Superman. Oh, okay. Anyways, anyway, <laughs> uh, Silver Surfer. <laughs> Speaking of questions of morality, though, it's like it's not just the Surfer who has these these sort of moral quandaries. What the? I don't remember the name of the guy who is like the leader of the new new haven folks oh right i know who you're but talking about he, oh, yeah. i just had that page up. yeah during that uh mobius arc story which by the way i had that one in print it does look really interesting in print cool cool um during that story they keep landing on this planet and the the survivors aren't able to stay because they vowed that all of them have to be able to stay there or none of them will stay. Mm -hmm. And so they keep landing on this planet and there are all of these spores and stuff that are damaging some of the survivors so they can't all stay. So this guy kind of arranges, yeah, arranges to try to have them all killed so that they can finally land, finally be at rest. Uh, And then Surfer like manages to save them all uh, before that happens, but the man is just racked with guilt over this near destruction of so many innocents that he would have been responsible for. Yeah. And yeah, 
just really compelling stuff. Mm-hmm. I just yeah, um, found really, really compelling stuff to, to kind of go through that with this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Founder Keen is his name. Founder Keen, that's right. You get that, like, he's he's not come to this decision lightly, you know, and that he's still a good guy. Because some people you are like, well, this proves that they are a bad guy. And I don't think we get more, well, I don't know if we get, you know, to come back around to this character and see if he actually is terrible. But, you know, he did the math and a few thousand out of six billion is a drop in the bucket. And, you know, he was ready to just have them take it out and then he could move on with his you know civilization trying to look at the greater good or whatever and we we get that in there's no like fat on this you know um we we get that viewpoint of this of this side character just so well that you know he's he's doing the best for his community and you know not really a monster even though this is a terrible thing that he's decided to do at least that's how i took it maybe you guys are like no he clearly is you know terrible (laughs) no because it'd be I mean, he's clearly a little terrible. Yeah. Oh, I mean, a little. But it, it's again, it's the thing. It's like people do horrible stuff. Can you atone for it? That's a far mm. more interesting question to me than is the man just the worst? Yeah. This yeah. is very much yeah. in line with Gurren Lagan. <laughs> <laughs> Need to watch that show after I watch One Piece because holy crap, I'm getting hyped. Yes, but yeah, not <laughs> this is not anime hour, unfortunately. It could be. It wouldn't you're, take you're, much. You're fooling me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's just a very similar plot thread in Gurnagan that comes up actually like a couple times, which is this, right? Like, how do we keep a community alive, and is it worth risking or sacrificing lives? So it's a very interesting argument, and yeah, I think I mean this also played it well. I am also a fan of the very, like, <laughs> again, kind of like Gurren Lagann, I'm, I'm a fan of, like, the really weird, out-there, fake science, quantum theory, where they're in, like, a, an anti-verse or an un-matter-verse or something like that, where they exist outside of reality, an unreality type thing. Yeah. I don't disagree, but when that happens here in Silver Surfer... To me, that felt like the point when the surfer's story that Slot and Allreds were trying to tell gets taken over by the event comic and kind of derailed. Yes. They managed to make something that is still thematically appropriate, but not quite the same thing. So the magic is a little bit missing from that last part, which tends to happen with these sort of, you know... The, the, the event the comic event. tie-in. It's not even really a tie-in because it does not matter. Right. Yeah. We kind of just get to see how they, in this particular instance, kind of dealt with it, right? Because they weren't really in a lot of the Secret War stuff. Right. Not at all, I think, even. Yeah, I don't recall seeing, you know, any version of the Surfer, which this would explain it. Mm-hmm. So... So I don't know. I thought it was a clever way to get out of it, and and it still felt true to everything we've seen up to this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does feel like a little out of left field, right? Like it does feel sudden. Like there's not a lot of build up to it, and it just it just kind of happens. But I do like that 
at least for me, somebody who really likes Secret Wars, and I still have all of those issues physically. I really like that bit where he's talking about, yeah, we're not the only ones existing outside of reality at the moment. And, you know, we get, I guess, cameos, you could call them, but we get like a glimpse at a bunch of the heroes that are on the arc that they escaped on. Yeah. Just a little, hey, checking in. Remember, we're the good yeah. ones. <laughs> we're here too. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was, yeah. The thing I have been consistently enjoying about the Silver Surfer books is just how high concept they are. And just how, mm-hmm. I don't know if bravely is the right way to put it, but just how unashamed, like, just not embarrassed to be high concept it is. Like, they are absolutely yeah. going, just absolutely wild with it. And I think that's, that's cool. I don't think we get enough of that in a lot of these, like, mainstream comics. I'm sure we get a lot more of it in indie comics, but I don't have a subscription service for those. Mike Allred is definitely, like, I think of him as a darling of the indie comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, More than I do uh, a fantastic superhero comics artist, even though he is good at it. And and his independent comics are superhero-themed. Madman is a superhero story. Vaguely superhero adjacent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I'm just saying that because the character is in a costume, but he is very much a Frankenstein monster, and I don't think he fights super... Mike Allred is a type. He's interesting. But beautiful art. Love Silver Surfer. Continues to be one of my favorite comic book characters. If we don't have anything else to say about the story, I think it's time to move on to the Rankin. Yeah. And I realized, uh-oh, I think that this Silver Surfer is going to go higher than this particular section of Superior Spider-Man, which seems a little, like, blasphemous for, for our show. But well, Well, and that's the thing. Like... Because we are ranking these as the full arc. I don't think we've split any of them. Not yet. So we adjust the ranking based on, like, how much we think this particular version adds to the overall uh, story. But we keep the overall story in mind as we've been moving these around the list. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, well, let's, let's do some setup first. Currently have 254 stories on our list. Uh, Highest ranking stories surprising number of Spider-Man and Silver Surfer stories. Uh, The first appearance of Spider-Man is number two. Silver Surfer Parable is number five. Such a great book. Yeah, Spider Island is number 10, or excuse me, number 11, The Boy Who Would Be Spider-Man. That's the first appearance of Miles Morales is number, uh, the current number 10. Infinity Gauntlet features Silver Surfer quite prominently, number nine. These two characters are all over our top 10. Oh, hold on. I'm actually going to count now. Silver Surfer is in Parable. Uh, Silver Surfer is in Planet Hulk. And he's in Infinity Gauntlet. So three of them are Surfer books. Spider-Man is in Spider-Man, Secret Wars, If This Be My Destiny, Infinity Gauntlet, and The Boy Who Would Be Spider-Man. He's in half of the top ten. So anyway, we like these characters a lot. They're very well. There are also a ton of Spider-Man stories at the bottom of the list, but we're not going (laughs) to worry about those. These characters also <laughs> tend to attract like very good talent to them too. I think that's yeah. Spider-Man has enough books going on at any given moment that I think he gets whoever they want to throw there, whether they're a good person or not. Yeah, that's fair. Um, at least historically, nowadays it tends to be more superstar talent. But in the past, I think there were enough Spider-Man books that they just kind of put whoever on. Mm-hmm. So there have been a lot of good and bad writers in Spider-Man. I think 
Silver Surfer, I haven't, I'm not as widely read on the character as I am on Spider-Man. Aspiring to be, but maybe some other day. So currently, where is Superior Spider-Man? That's what I'm looking for. Where do we have that one? And I'm like at 60 something and that's kind of making me scared because I can't find, <laughs> I can't find them. It can't should be. my boy. Should, should I think be higher than that? Where is he? It's not higher than Absolute Carnage, though. That story is really weirdly good. That is Superior Spider-Man. My Own Worst Enemy is number 47. That's the title we have it under. Oh, okay. Wow, we're dumb. So it's currently at number 47, which does put it well beneath Crushed, my favorite Kamala Khan story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure it actually belongs down there. No. <laughs> we really put the Star Wars original script adaptation above superior spider-man well i think the idea was we knew we were coming back to add to superior spider-man and yeah. i think this will this will be top 30 well i don't know we have a really good top 30 <laughs> really good top 30 <laughs> i think the last trade that we did of this kind of suffered from a similar problem as this one, which is that for, like, as good at... Setting up a lot. Yeah, it's setting up a lot, right? Like, that first issue did a lot of heavy lifting. Like, it, it did a lot of really good work. I'm not saying it's the rest of it hasn't been good. But this is kind of expected to be a longer series, and I think we were kind of expecting to maybe push it up as we get more stuff, because while it's doing a lot of good stuff, nothing is, like, really wowing us quite as much as, like, that first trade that's fair i would say that this is better what we read today is better than what was in the second trade um even though i was a little bit underwhelmed by it some of that i think might be mismanaged expectations where everybody's been saying oh this is the the greatest spider-man or this is such a good spider-man story and i'm like it is good but i don't know if it's great that's kind of tempered my expectations but i think that this volume reading from the beginning through the end of this volume is enough that I would want to pump this. I'd want to bump this up a couple of slots. A couple of I agree. a couple of dance slots. Hey, <laughs> a couple of dance slots. Like where I, my hard ceiling is probably still Beta Ray Bill. So I'd put it above Beta Ray Bill because I just I don't have the affinity for the character. Like I just he's okay, a horse man. Scuttlebutt. Yes, it's got a great name, but <sighs> scuttlebutt. <laughs> As it is now, I think my ceiling is 34, Daredevil Yellow. Whoa, that's a big um, jump. Yeah. Oof. I'm not sure I disagree I don't know. with it, though, because I do think this is better than King in Black. Yeah. Which wasn't as good as Absolute Carnage, which is the weirdest sentence I think I've ever uttered. Yeah. Yeah. My, my vote is 35, so Aldo, you are the tying vo- the voice of reason. And may I say, uh, uh, quite an attractive and intelligent man who does not... Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think get the get the praise that he so richly deserves. Thanks, John. Uh, <laughs> Very insightful. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm always th- I I would not disagree with moving Spider-Man up higher in any really given moment. Um, and as far as much as I like Scuttlebutt, <laughs> uh, there is something hilarious about watching Otto Octavius just have to constantly. Hit buttheads with an old schoolmate as his teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Butthead. 
Um, <laughs> also, okay, I know I, o- okay. I know I only briefly mentioned it, but it is still hilarious to me that the Kingpin has like a con- a contingency plan for for when Spider Man decides to kill, or I guess anybody decides to kill, and he just has some dude hanging out in his basement watching TV, just there to plant a body. Yeah, man, body so double. Silly. He's a tyrant. Yeah. You know, it's silly, and I I love it. But um, yeah. So I mean, I I would be okay with moving this up to thirty five. I'm, I'm As, fine with it. What an intelligent move, Aldo, and I I think that's uh, very 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 wise of you. Thanks, John. <laughs> I feel like this is illegal. We should convene a special council to investigate this <laughs> election interference. <laughs> It was like uh, topical. No, it's forty-five who's been indicted. No, that's not. Hey, that's, that's not <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it was number forty-eight originally, or no, number forty-seven originally. Excuse me. Is that the first time that we've had a book actually rise in the ranking? Significantly, yeah. I think we had some of the Thor, yeah. the Jane Foster stuff, bump up a little bit. I think. Hawkeye, I think, took a dip and then came back up, I want to say, when we finished all the trades. Yeah, Hawkeye we had ranked separately, so I think it was like the Christmas stuff was pretty low at one point. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, Silver Surfer. The the current uh, Silver Surfer New Dawn story arc is at number 17. Is what we read which is again i think kind of the conclusion of the first major arc does that bump it up over second coming or life story or last hand i'm kind of thinking no because the fact that it ends with the secret wars sort of tie-in i actually do think undercuts the strength that this ending might have had otherwise it's still really good so i don't think it drops any further but I probably would keep this one at number 17. That's my thought. What do you guys think? I, I think that's fair because I'd rather wait and get the ranking right later than kind of, you know, eh, well, does it go up a couple? Does it go down a couple? I think keeping it where it is seems like a good long-term move. And that it's, yeah, it, it's it's tricky because it's... You know, maintaining the status quo in a way and like slowly introducing stuff. It's it, it's a good middle section, but it is a middle section. So, yeah, I'm a. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting once we get to that uh, second volume of the slot all red Silver Surfer run. It'll be interesting to read that and see if we actually think that these stories are a continuation or if we think it's a new story true yeah because it it is a whole new volume a whole new series i mean same name but in the app at least a new series so uh yeah so is that where we're leaving it then i think so although i don't have any strong feelings to moving it up like there's stuff in there that definitely wowed me and i think just that 11th issue alone to me is a little tempting to bump it up like a slot but i like i don't a dance uh, slot. one dance slot yeah one whole dance slot but i don't have like <laughs> that strong of like 
an opinion on that. And yeah, it does just kind of end really abruptly, right? Like, we, we mentioned that, like, it just happens in, in like, the last two issues, right? Like, this whole thing with, with Secret Wars. So, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Keeping it there. I think issue 11 is part of the compelling argument, however things go, in the next volume of, hey, remember what, you know, is in this complete collection, this complete, you know, story of, of you know, Dawn and the Silver Surfer. Yeah. So I think now it's time to talk about what we're going to read for next time. Next time. Next time on the Superhuman Registration Podcast, tune in for... Under Siege, and it's the... Oh, I almost said Axis of Evil. Hold on. <laughs> Masters That's of Evil. So, Masters of Evil. Whew. The Masters of Evil fighting the uh, uh, Avengers, and that's Baron Zemo and co, right? Sure. Correct. And then we're going to read uh, an apparently unrelated story. We're going to read Thunderbolts. This is actually the 1997 miniseries or not miniseries it's a it's a series but we're only going to read the first five issues there is a villainous connection between this story and masters of evil uh, under siege uh which if you know it cool if you don't know it i don't want to spoil it for you um but yeah it'll be an interesting double feature i have I've read some of Under Siege. I've never read the Thunderbolts story, so it'll be it'll be cool to to visit these books. And I think that concludes the discussion for this week. Unless you all want to talk more about uh, tabletop role playing games. Last last time I did that, I was cut off, son. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>